Hello again, Gooners. Yes, it's post walls top four realistic all of a sudden. See, I can actually read aloud here. And Fizzy's going to join us very, very shortly. Here he is. Smooth. Smooth. Right, to take the smoothness out of this, I'll I'll just cut the music abruptly for no particular reason other than somebody said to me the other day, we've actually got listeners. You won't believe it. But, yeah, we've got listeners, somebody said to me, who this person will remain unnamed, said to me, Oh, I really like the music on the show. I said, you must be joking. You are winding me up. And this person said, I, I thought it, was, it wasn't it was that cringy. So I took that as a massive compliment. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, anyway, so it's, I'm glad you're here because I, I feel like I've been missing out because um, I missed the Wolves game. I'm just too tired. I just couldn't watch it, um, which yeah, never yeah. happened before. Um, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like an hour different. And so yeah. I, I, I had to actually, as it turned out, I had to get a plane at nine 9.30 in the morning. So I got up at 4 o'clock, watched the game, and then at 6 o'clock I had to leave for the airport anyway. So it worked out pretty well. Uh, and obviously, you know what it's like. You're always in a much, much better mood when we win. Yeah. Uh, so even though I was flying, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a great, great result. Uh, and, yeah, it's... Uh, the performance, I think there's obviously quite a lot to talk about, isn't there? For sure, yeah. For sure, yeah. The red card. you want to start with that or you want to start with something else? Uh, <laughs> it's well, yeah. me to start with the negatives. Yeah, well, I think, obviously, okay, so my my take on, on it was this. I've, you know, I've played FIFA loads as a kid and as an adult. Now, on in FIFA you can technically get sent off for two yellows even if you haven't been booked, right? But in the real world, I have never seen that happen. I have never seen advantage given and then to, uh, for a, yeah, then the first original offence was a booking and then the set in that same uh, what's it called? play, then the second being given afterwards, right? Now, how many times have you seen it, Joe? Where a player will commit a yellow card, a foul worthy of a yellow card, kick the ball away, and the ref go, "Oh, you wanker!" Blah blah blah, blah and you get one yellow card. I've seen it loads. Yeah, normally they just wave or wag a finger at you, and that's and that's your. It's not a second yeah. yellow card, obviously. It's just to, you know get telling off. They say, yeah, "Don't exactly. be silly." You will end up getting... I mean, that's the conversation I understand the referee has with the player is, please don't be silly. Well, I wouldn't say that, but don't be silly. If you do that again, you will yeah. get sent off. This is your last warning. That's normal. That's Yeah, exactly. That's normal. Uh, they normally get, uh, even after the yellow card, they'll get one more chance normally. And sometimes mm. they don't, but definitely it's not in the same uh, play, right? Now, the other thing, the other issue I take with it, is that Martinelli probably wouldn't have made that second foul had he known he was booked. Martinelli didn't know he was booked. So, you know, you have to question. And that's why they have that sort of, like, you've got a yellow. You saw when, like, Partey or Xhaka got booked. They changed their style. They knew they were on a, they couldn't make any more silly fouls. Uh, mm. And so it, that, that's why I have an issue with it. I have, I have an issue. You've never seen it before. I, I think Arsenal are going to appeal, but the law as it stands is that you can only appeal red cards. Like red cards, 
uh, that are like straight reds. You can't appeal uh, to yellow. Uh, so we probably won't get it. But what, yeah, what also angered me is, you know, you saw there's, there, it's the inconsistency. So there were tackles from Wolves players that should have been yellow cards that weren't. Uh, the, the fact that it was a foul throw from the Wolves defender for the, the, the first yellow from Martinelli uh, as well. Yeah, his foot's off the ground. Uh, the ref didn't see that. Uh, and and then, I, I don't know if you watched, I watched the United game yesterday. Yeah, I saw some. There were, there were two instances where, well, there were three instances. There was one as a yellow card from Luke Shaw where he clearly pulled him back. Very Xhaka-esque. In uh, how Xhaka got booked uh, on Thursday, Thursday night, uh, Friday morning. How Xhaka got booked was for pulling a shirt. Right, and it was clear as day. But Jacker gets booked. Luke Shaw didn't. Right, that's the first one. The second incident, Bruno Fernandez threw a punch, and you know nobody didn't even get a yellow card for it. You could, there's a clip of it through a, a yellow card. Uh, so threw a punch, and yeah, nothing happened. And then a decision got made right near the end of the game. This is the same ref that did this to Arsenal against Man City. Remember Arsenal, Man City. Arsenal got charged for failing to control their players. Because they were they're surrounding the ref. The same ref yesterday had United players surrounding them. Where's the charge for them? Where's the charge for failing to control their players? Will it happen? You know, and it's the inconsistency. And I do I do feel, you know, I don't want to get conspiratorial, but I do feel there is a bit of an agenda against Arsenal. Uh certainly, you know, if if you think yeah, of, of all those examples, and then uh, there's a a clip on Twitter doing the rounds uh, of Michael Oliver. There's a clip from where I think it was Brighton versus someone, Bournemouth perhaps. Uh, and a Brighton player basically hacked a player down, ball, threw him out of the way, blatant yellow card. And then one second later, hacked another player down, another yellow card. What happened? Uh, obviously, just one yellow card. So it's the inconsistency that. I'm, I've, I've just, I'm, you know, you see Arsenal. Yeah, I, I saw, a, I saw a stat the other day. Uh, Thomas Partey has been booked for the, in the last three games that he's played. He's committed three fouls. So yeah, there's been absolutely no lenience with those three fouls. Now the one he got uh, on Wolves, you could say, oh, maybe it was a yellow, maybe it was, but a, a Wolves player did exactly the same thing in the same half, didn't get a yellow card. And yeah, he's really on. It's really yeah. odd. It's You've seen that league table, haven't you? You've seen the league table of who's had the most red cards, which club, and since the Premier League began, I think it was. And Arsenal lead the way, I think, with over 100. And then Everton yeah. a second, not, yeah. not that far behind. But it's ridiculous because Arsenal, um, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to sort of just, just say this because, because of my allegiances, but really, Arsenal are not the dirtiest team, are they? So why are they getting so many red cards? They've never been dirty, apart from if you go back to the 70s. Yeah, you could argue Arsenal were quite dirty in those days when, when Peter Story was playing in the, in the 70s. Yeah, but since then... Yeah, but in the last 10 years, yeah, we are not a dirty team. Not at all. And, not at all. Yeah, and there's a, that's another stat I saw as well. Uh, if you had to pick a, a dirty team in the mm. Premier League, like a proper Hoofers dirty <laughs> team, Burnley... Yes, would probably be one of those teams that you consider, right? There's another stat. It, it, I think it's been in something like 
there has been 1,300 fouls made in a particular time period, maybe in the last five years. Uh, uh, Burnley and Arsenal have played X amount of games each, like very, very similar, maybe like 100 games, 102 games, something like that. And in those games, there's been very similar amount of fouls committed by Arsenal Burnley. Burnley have got zero red cards, Arsenal have got 15. So you're <laughs> telling me that a team that's committed roughly the same amount of fouls has got 15 more red cards than Burnley, who is a team that we all yeah, have a very negative sort of uh, opinion about when it comes to stylish football and whatever. So, yeah, like a bit like Stoke in the old days. I mean, they're agricultural in their approach. Um, they take man and ball. And for some reason, referees often think that's all right. I don't quite know why. Maybe they're scared of the guys because they built like rugby players. They don't actually look like footballers to me. They look like rugby players. So maybe the refs are scared of them. I, I just don't know. Did you see that thing? Um, it was a Phil Neville article. Um, I'm not sure which website it was, but he was saying... He admitted, Phil Neville said, yeah, well, when we played against Arsenal, we got all the decisions. He said, because yeah, yeah. we, were, we were experts at surrounding the referee and getting yeah. what we wanted. And Arsenal weren't very good at it. So they'd often, they'd often yeah. lose out in that respect. So, yeah, I just thought I'd mention no, that. that, that quite we, relevant. Lost, we lost the un, unbeaten run, uh, yeah. the 40th, 50th game. And you, you could tell that like, everyone was happy that Arsenal lost that day. And you could tell it was well against us. There was a dodgy penalty given. Reyes got kicked left, right and centre by the Neville twins. It was an absolute fucking shocker. And yeah, that, like, so certainly like, when people say oh, Arsenal are dirty, you're like, have a word. Like, mm. it's, it's just nonsense. But I'll tell you what it does do. It creates this them against us or us against them siege mm. mentality. And I think Arteta is using that at the minute because once again... With 10 men, we held on. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'd have loved uh, Lacazette to score that goal. Yeah, that chance straight after sending off. But once again, and, you know, credit to Arteta. He brought on holding. He took off Saka. And he was like, right, 5-3-1, break us down. And Wolves, you know, Wolves have got like, the second or third best defence in the league. But they've, got the sec- they've got the second or third worst attack in the league and I think Arsenal look reasonably comfortable uh, there's a couple chances maybe but overall I thought Arsenal looked pretty comfortable and they, you know they were well worth the win to be honest they were well worth it and you know uh, I saw there's a few Wolves players a couple of Wolves like Cody and Nevers like oh Arsenal celebrated like they won the league and you're like well hang on no you know you bitch at us you moaned at us when we were really proud about how we played against Man City at the beginning of the uh, you know, beginning of January, you know, even though we lost, you know, we were you know, pleased with our performance and City celebrated like madmen when they won because they knew they were in a battle. We've just come out of a battle and we're celebrating because we won and you're criticising us then. Like, it's just everyone likes to have a go at Arsenal. Like, my back really has got up, been put up recently uh, with the hypocrisy and, you know, and the jealousy that you see that, and the double standards. So, I'm glad, you know, I want our team to be Shit houses. I want our team to annoy them and upset them because, you know, clearly we're not going to get uh, a fair crack of the whip. You know, again, a ref has sort of let us down. You know, uh, so, yeah, no, it's, uh, we played well. I thought we were in reasonable control. Uh, attacking wise, we had a few chances, but not, we weren't great. But, yeah, like, it's a great result. 
And especially with United and Spurs dropping points and United dropping points uh, yesterday as well, you know, the race for top four is certainly on. Yeah, it's in Arsenal's hands. Talking of things that you don't like that appear in the media, what what were your thoughts on um, when Ober left and then he blamed... He blamed Arteta. He said the problem was Arteta, and Arteta replied, "I wasn't the problem. I was the solution." Yeah. I thought it was quite funny, though. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about all of that? Yeah. Well, obviously, transfer since we last chat. Yeah, the transfer window is a big talking point for me. You know, we've we've improved massively since Ober left. Uh, since Ober stopped playing, you look at the amount of goals scored, pieces overall, and then we had a bit of a a shocker against Burnley, but genuinely, since Ober left at the beginning of December, we've, we've started to play well. Uh, you know, if you think the last couple of games he played in, when he lost to United and Everton, fuck me how he lost to that Everton, Everton team. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that one either. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and we beat a very good, you know, the first game Ober was dropped, we beat a very good Southampton team, which as it turns out, not everyone can do, you know. Uh, <laughs> Those so, guys have the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and the Manx as well yesterday. So, yes. no, so I, I think he realised he was, yeah, he, he was no longer part of Arteta's plans. And maybe when he says that Arteta was the problem, I thought it was a problem because Arteta was refusing to budge on how he wanted Ober to run and how he wanted him to play and what he expected from him. And Ober wasn't able to do it because I don't, you know, Martinelli has been uh, a breath of fresh air since he started, you know, started playing again. Lacazette does a role uh, and I don't think Ober can do that role as well as Lacazette can I think Ober's a better striker if you will and Ober mm. probably would have scored that chance but overall I don't think what La- I think what Lacazette brings to the team is so much more uh, and so I think you know and that's evidenced by the results so I think Ober was, you know, Ober, Ober was hankering for a leave, wasn't he? Like, you know, you don't fly to Barcelona on the last day of the transfer window. You're not desperate to leave. And <laughs> Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal were happy to get rid of him, you know, take, get him off the wage bill, or certainly a big chunk of his wages will be off the wage bill. Uh, so I think it's just bitterness. And, you know, this is a player who, you know, had behavioural issues at Dortmund, had behavioural issues here, like discipline. Uh, and you can allow the discipline issues when you're scoring goals. Uber has been shit the last year and a half. So it's like, I'm not going to hold, you know, it's, it's not like, say, Van Persie. When Van Persie left, I was much more upset when Van Persie left because there was a player in the top of his form and he left us to go to a bigger club and to win trophies. Uh, Fabregas as well. Nasri... Not so much, but, you know, Nasri had one good half a season out of three. But certainly Fabregas and Van Persie, they left us in the top of their form. And, you know, they went to join a bigger club. He is not nowhere near his peak anymore. And Arteta knows that. And Arteta couldn't wait to get rid of him. It's the same for me as Ozil. Ozil Ozil was on the downward slope. Willian was another one on the downward slope. And couldn't, couldn't wait to get rid of him. And... So it, for me, it's like good riddance almost. Like I, I, was, I don't want to slag him off because obviously that season he had, he had a couple of good seasons, especially that, that first COVID season, if you remember, where we yeah. won the FA Cup. He was phenomenal. Then. And he, he was. was. 
But then he got his new contract and his attitude started to change and his performance started to drop. And I think the role that Arteta wanted from him changed because Arteta was starting to get the players in that he wanted. If you think back, you know, you look at the, the amount of transfers, the amount of players we have shifted from this club. Arteta had to play a certain way when he first came. And Aubameyang was pivotal to that. But he had to play a particular way. I think he played 3 4 3 for a while. Now Arteta is getting the players, and he nearly got a full team that he wants. They're, they're his players. And Aubameyang doesn't fit the bill. So I think it's sour grapes, but you, you know, I'm not that surprised. I did see as a, clip, as a clip as well, which you might like. He was being interviewed by uh, Barca TV, and. Uh, they said to him, what's your best goal or what's your most favourite goal? And he said, the goal I scored against Chelsea in the cup final. The second <laughs> one, where he mugged off. I can't, remember, I can't remember who the player was, the, d- the defender he mugged off. I think it was Rudiger. Uh, and then chipped it over the goalie uh, to make it be like 2-1. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, it was a fantastic goal. Uh, and unfortunately, it was all downhill from there, wasn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it's, it's a bit sour grapes. I'm glad he's gone. Uh, obviously, I'm, I imagine you'll want to talk about the overall transfer situation. Yeah, and- I want to talk about that. Also, before before we do that, though, the sort of financial arrangements, because I heard, I read somewhere that he got £6 million payoff for that contract being terminated, because it was mm. such a strange arrangement, right? And it, it never yeah. seemed like the deal was going to go through. I, you know, I'm still a fan, but I, I thought it's best for everybody concerned that he does go. Even yeah, though part, my heart felt I wanted him to stay, but I knew my heart was being silly and I should just just wave goodbye and wish him good luck, really, because I think he did, you know, he did enough for the club to still be... I don't know, is he legendary to you? He's, he's legendary to me, oh. I'd say. No, I don't, I'm not, uh, he's, not he's near. He, he's near. He's mm. certainly elite. But for me, a legend, it's, it's... What's the difference to you for you between, say, Salah and Messi. The difference for me is Messi did it consistently over 15 years. Ronaldo did it consistently over 15 years. Now, while Salah, in my opinion, probably has nearly the level of ability that Messi has, and it's certainly very close, mm. he hasn't done it. And if you look at his goals and his assists in a harder league as well, uh, he, you know, he, he's up there. But he hasn't done it for 15 years. Salah's done it for three or four. That's why, for me, the two are different. But Aubameyang won us the FA Cup. or you know, He contributed massively to us winning the FA Cup. No arguments. But, you know, where was he in the Europa League final? Where was he in, you know, in other games? And so, for me, he's not legendary because he hasn't done it for long enough. Burkamp's legendary because Burkamp done it for 10 years. Henri's legendary because Henri done it for seven years at Arsenal and then a couple more years at Barca. They're legendary because they we won major trophies, we won leagues. I, I, you know, I would argue, for me, Fabregas and Van Persie aren't legendary because they never won us any major no, trophies. Yeah, no major major league trophies. I mean, it's yeah. their ability, but mm. I'm saying... You know, you could argue that for United, Van Persie's probably more of a legend because he won them that league on his own, didn't he? That first mm. season that he left, after yeah. he left, he won that league. Win. So for me, I think winning trophies, major trophies, has to put uh, has to be a factor. 
And so it's not just about ability. Uh, and, you know, obviously with all the disciplinary stuff and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the poor behavior, et cetera, et cetera, I don't think you can. So in my eyes, you can't call them legendary. You can call them elite. Uh, I wouldn't call them world class. I, I think he's got world class ability, but he didn't show it enough. Mm. Uh, but again, you could say, well, yeah, the team that he was in, you know, he, he was surrounded by fucking duffers, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, and, true. Yeah, true. You know, so I, I, I think for me, legendary is someone that uh, a wins you major trophies, you know, the league, the Champions League. Uh, and B does it over a sustained period of time. And ah, I think exactly. someone like Salah is getting there. If Salah did what he did for three, four more years, he'd say, yes, yeah, he's legendary. Because how long has he been at Liverpool? He's been at Liverpool three, four years already. I wonder if there's going to be, if there are going to be any more legends, though, because, you know, the way the game is, usually players move on. Like, even if Salah continues in this rich vein of form, you sort of expect him to to go elsewhere at some point. Obviously, Liverpool, massive club. But I don't think he'll go anywhere think... else in the UK. No, no not in the UK. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking he'll go abroad, like to yeah. Barcelona or Real at some point yeah. in the not-too-distant future. But we can only hope, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to ask you again about the financial aspect, though. So if you were, what would you have done if it had got to the 11th hour, like it did with, with Ober, and then the deal, say, I'm not saying this is correct because it's only reported, but say the deal was right. You want to get him off, if you want to get him off the um, the wage bill, you've got to pay him £6 million and just, you know, end his contract, terminate him. Would you, would yeah. you have done that? Is that? Would that be a straightforward yes or, or would it be... Yeah, I, I, think, I think it would have to be. I think because of the situation that Arsenal mm. will win. Now, am I happy about it? No, because I'm not happy that we've been paying off players to leave. And I mm. think it's a, it's a big indication of how failed and flawed our transfer policy has been for the last few years, up until last summer. Last summer, we had a great transfer window because I think our, and we've, we've talked about this loads, our, our, our shift in, in policy is evident. We're signing younger players with lots of upside, low risk. If they don't work out, okay, fine, never mind. Uh, we've only sponsored a little bit of money on. We're not signing, you know, experienced pros for a huge amount of money. Uh, and I think we've learned our lesson. Would I have done it? Yes. Am I happy about it? No. Now, what I've been told is that we're paying partially his wages until the summer. And then after that, Barca are taking the whole thing off him. Hmm. Uh, and I, I, I don't know about the six million. Maybe that's where the six million comes from. We're paying six million in, in wages until the summer. I, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's certainly something that the, the critics of Arsenal have mentioned uh, yeah, you know, I'm on Twitter lots, and Twitter. Yeah, you know, I've said this. I say this loads. Twitter's a very poisonous, toxic environment. One of the re- yeah, Arsenal especially. You know, lots of Arteta out fans still, and yeah, they're mostly idiots. And Twitter is a, you know, it's a, a soapbox for idiocy. But <laughs> it's uh, you know, you've got lots of people, and you know, one of the things they crit- criticise Arteta and Edu. Is, is our transfer policy. Now, I think Edu is more to blame than Arteta. Arteta is a, I know he's head coach or whatever, 
But Arteta has less say in transfers than Edu. Uh, mm. And Edu wanted to sign that Arthur. And they wanted to sign him on... Arsenal wanted him for six months. Juve wanted him for a year and a half. Loan. And Edu was like, yeah, yeah. So we got, you know... Edu, you have to question Edu sometimes. Where we've got like a... You know, here's a player that's got disciplinary problems. You know, he might, he might be good. There's no denying that. But there's a risk there. He's got disciplinary problems. And he's not, he's not making it at Juve. And Edu wants to give him a year and a half loan. Uh, and, and it's like, well, no, the whole point of loan is his short term, six months. And so Arsenal, supposedly, the Cronkies, kiboshed the deal. They went, no, not, no fucking way. Have you not learned from your mistakes? Uh, so... You know, there's still worrying issues. I do think overall, though, the model has changed. And I think with regards to transfers in general, you got the feeling there's that other, the other big deal. Well, there was two, wasn't there, that that didn't happen. Both of them didn't happen. It was Vlahovic and Isak. Now, with the, we can talk, I'll talk about both, well, my view on both. With the the Vlahovic, yeah, with the Vlahovic one, yeah, here is a player that's nearly very close to being the top of his game. Uh, he's exactly what Arsenal want, and he's nearly the finished article, and he's still only 21, 22. He is an elite player in Italy. And the feeling I got was he never wanted to leave Italy, and he used Arsenal's interest to get a deal with Juventus, which he has now got. And I think you know, it, it goes to show you how crazy football is. You know, Juventus are in massive amounts of debt, and they've just spunked, you know, however much on Vlahovic. But, uh, yeah, so I, th- I think I, I think Arsenal should be applauded for the ambition of it. Uh, and, you know, you don't always get your man. Okay. So that, that, you know, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to stay in Italy. And I think that was, that was, that was a big reason why. With the, the other deal was the Isak deal. And the feeling I got from that was, yeah, he was in London. And... Uh, of the day, the transfer deadline day. And I think Arsenal basically went, right, we like him. He's a good player. That they very highly regarded. However, he's not the finished article. And 75 million on an unfinished product is a bit too much for us. And uh, my, fr- my friend said this on the podcast we recorded the other day, which strangely hasn't come up. I don't know why it hasn't. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about this off air. But uh, uh, he said that he sus- he thinks Sociedad basically when Real Sociedad Isaac's team went look, we're third in the league, we're having a good fucking year, we don't want him to leave now. Uh, so you know you pay seventy five million or there's no deal now. Wait till the summer. We will then negotiate with you because he wants to leave. He wants to join you. We'll then negotiate with you for a price that we're happier with and you're happier with and you don't have to meet the relief clause if you wait six months. And so I suspect that's what Arsenal have done. Arsenal have said, you're not fine. Get six more months under your, under your belt, finish the season off with them, and then you know we'll sign you in the summer and you know, the, the dot the I's cross the T's will be done in the summer. He suspects that's happening. Now that could be the case because Isak doesn't come to London for no reason at all. Uh, and so it's either that Arsenal pulled out or they said, right, we'll wait until the summer. Mm. Uh, so, 
And I think, yeah, because clearly Arsenal are going to need, what, more than one striker in the summer. Uh, but I think what they've done is basically said, right, we've learned from our mistakes. We we either want the best or we don't want anyone. We're not going to sign players for the sake of it just to fill squad numbers. And they've got a squad of, you would say, 17, 18 players there. You know, bearing in mind now, we've only got 16 games left of the season. This is something that we're out of all the cups. We're not in Europe, of course. We've got 16 games left, and it's going to average out at basically one a week. So, in my eyes, that's 16 cup finals. That's 16 cup finals they can prepare a week for, you know, like they did with Wolves. You can't say that they weren't, they played all right against Wolves. Yeah, attacking wise, they, you know, but Wolves are a very good team defensively. There's a reason why Wolves have the second or third best defense in the league. So, you know, and we got a result against a team that, you know, bear in mind, Joe, would have gone above us if they had won. Yeah, so it was, yeah, that was yeah. a must-win game. I mean, they yeah, say everything is must-win, but that was yeah. in particular. Needed, needed yeah. putting spread that game. And I was so shocked. Arsenal got three yeah. points. I couldn't believe it when I woke up in, and checked the scores. Especially with United and Spurs. Yeah, with those guys Especially too. Dropping points. It was kind of like... You know what Arsenal are like. Arsenal are like, sweet. United and Spurs have dropped points. We can drop points as well. Let's keep it interesting. Uh, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, so it's a very good result. So I think for Arsenal's point of view, they've got, right, we've got 16 games left or 17 games, you know, uh, one game a week, cup finals, every single game. And top four, you know, I don't think top four was in Arsenal's sights at the beginning of this season. They would. They want. They wanted to get back into Europe. From what I've read and from what I've sort of seen uh, and heard, that top six, you know, getting into Europe, was the aim. That was the target, and they've been surprised at how well Arsenal have done, and they've been surprised at how well the young players have taken. You know, you, especially your new signings like your Ben Whites, your Tommy Asus. Uh, they've, uh, you know, Laconga. Has settled in pretty well, and they've also, you know, and they've just been surprised at how well everything has sort of fit into place. And so they kind of gone, you know, what? okay, we know what the problems are, and I think me and you would agree on what the the areas they need to strengthen in are. Hmm. So, but we will wait, and we've got Laka and Enketia, which isn't ideal, and I think that is our weakest area of the pitch. But I think they're hoping that, especially of how we play. That Laka hasn't got many goals this year. That's true, but how we play is he helps Zaka, Martinelli, and even Odegaard. He links up the play; they get the goals. And... He actually is, and I mean, and yeah. when he's not assisting, he's he's the guy before the assist. So yeah, I see that. I think the offers yeah, are yeah, he does. Benga's pre-assist uh, thing. Yeah, well, the goal against Wolves, he he got the assist. You know, mm. uh, maybe Ben White got the assist, but he certainly, you know, Lacazette was there. And so, yeah, so I, I think Arsenal have said that. Now, in the summer, you're, uh, I think me and you will agree on this. The way I look at it is goalkeepers. We've signed, uh, we, so we did sign a couple of players. We've yeah. signed a goalkeeper, yeah, from the from the States. And we signed some centre-half as well from the States. Uh, so Ooh, if you go through the uh, if you go through the positions, goalkeepers, obviously, Leno will leave. This new American chap will be the reserve. 
Uh, and Ramstad, obviously, main keeper. Uh, right back, Tommy Asu. And I think, and it pains me to say this, Cedric played fucking really well on Thursday. He started off a bit slow. His distribution was a bit shocking. But the second half especially, he grew in confidence. He's very much a confidence player. Uh, he grew in confidence and he was fantastic. He was really, really good. So I think he will, I'm not sure if he'll stay or I suspect Arsenal, you know, maybe they'll keep him. I wish they fucking didn't, but Tommy Asu is a bit injury prone at the minute. He certainly is. So I, I want Arsenal to get a second choice right back. And hopefully that there's a ladder, Nottingham Forest uh, or Max Ahrens are the two that I think Arsenal, hope I would like Arsenal to go for. I think they're perfect deputies because I think Max Ahrens at Norwich, they'll probably get relegated this year. Well, I hope they get relegated. But even if they fucking don't, you know. You know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so centre-halves, obviously Ben White, Gabriel. We've got Saliba coming back and Saliba is playing well at Marseille. So I think Saliba will be that our third choice. Uh, you along with any inside knowledge about Saliba at all, have you, from your mates? You know, because you, do you remember you had that exclusive about Ober? Do you remember you told me you've yeah. got malaria? And I yes. thought, yeah, that, that sounds possible. And then next thing, no one knew about it. You were the first person. I was checking the internet all the time at, yeah. at that, particular, um, that particular time of the year. And basically, yeah, you were first with that. So you haven't yeah. heard anything about Saliba because you know my suspicion is he's coming back to go somewhere else. That's no actually- the thing. Well, from what I, and this is all off uh, off Twitter, but <laughs> I I get the feeling the general consensus is that he'll come back. He's been playing really well at Marseille. He's finally got his confidence. He's been playing games, and I think he'll come back and he'll be third choice. Mm. Uh, and I think Arsenal will go, right, you know, we've sent you out on loan enough now. You've got enough game time. Like with Smith, Rowe went to West Brom. Uh, hopefully, Balogun's doing at Borough, uh, etc. So, I think him holding, I think holding deserves to stay. Uh, I think he, he'll never start. But I mm. think as a squad player, he's fine. You know, you look at his performances against, against Liverpool uh, and Wolves. When we've, you know, he, he came on both times, man sent off both times, played as a five. He, he he got like 20 minutes against Wolves. He made like nine clearances. He was solid. So I think he'll be the fourth choice. And then we've got that. Uh, and that other American who we signed, who would be like the, the project, the fifth choice sort of centre half. Oh, Aaron they, Trust, the guy from Colorado Rapids. On that note, yeah. signing a player from Colorado Rapids. I don't want to start talking about skullduggery or anything like that, but it didn't sound. <laughs> I just thought, why are we? Why are we? They're not. You know, why are we? Why are we buying players? It just sort of seems a bit incestuous to me. I'm not against it if the guy's good. I don't really care to be honest, but it just sounded really incestuous buying buying a player from a club owned by the same people. I mean, because somebody said to me the other day, "Isn't that illegal?" I said, "No, it isn't." Not no, you know, the two separate entities, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit like when you know, if PSG and Man City started doing business, but yeah, uh, I, I think hopefully, the I don't think Kronke's just signed it off and Arteta and Edu have no idea about it. Supposedly, the players, I uh, he's 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 all right, but he's, he's a youth for me, he's a fifth defender that if he turns out to be shit, 
All right, no worries. We'll get someone else. We've already got four defenders, four centre-halves ahead of him. So I think, you know, see if he's any good. Try him for a season. If not, we'll bin him off. Uh, and then and then left back, you've obviously got Tierney and Tavares. So defensively, we're pretty solid. I think apart from a second choice right back, I'm pretty happy. Midfield, we obviously, apart from Partey and Lokonga, I suspect Xhaka will leave this year. I think almost definitely El Nenny is going to leave. Uh, so we need at least a couple of midfielders. Uh, Odegaard can play in that position. Uh, and this is where it gets a bit more difficult. But I'd rather... And I think we need a first-choice central midfielder alongside party anyway. Because I don't think the Conga's there yet. So, I th- for me, I think we'll sign... Ho- hopefully, we sign two midfielders and then maybe make the Niles when he comes back. God knows what he's doing with him. Or uh, Torreira. I, d- I don't know. I- I- I'm not sure, really... Uh, yeah, we've got that Patino. I think we've got options there, but I think we definitely need to get. For me, we need to get. If ja- if Jacker and El Nenny both leave, which I suspect they both will, then we need to get two midfielders. On the wings, right wing, you've got Pepe and Zaka. Left wing, you've got uh, Martinelli and Smith Rowe. Uh, as the ten, you've got Odegaard and Smith Rowe, and then as your striker. That's where I think, again, we'll need to sign two strikers uh, because I suspect Nketiah and Laka will both leave. You've got Balogun as your third choice. Uh, but I suspect, yeah, so for me, you need two strikers, two midfielders and a right back. And that's a pretty solid squad. That's quite a lot of players to bring in too, though. So two, two strikers yeah. and uh, probably two midfielders and maybe yeah. a right back. Yeah, so but only two of them are starters, Joe. Only yeah. two of them are starters. You look at how many players in our team are starters that we signed this summer. You know, Tommy Asu, Ben White, uh, Ramsdale, Odegaard. All four, yeah. of them are yeah. all four of them are starters. I mean, the summer transfer business was really good. And that, to me, is part of the reason why I had higher hopes for this January transfer window. I mean, ultimately, I don't really care as long as Arsenal keep winning games. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's who's in the team, but but with all these players going out, other things that people have said to me, not Arsenal fans, they go, "Oh, you're so good at postponing games, you're going to postpone a few more now that you've barely got a squad." Because everyone, yeah, yeah. So see that that fucked me off as well. So we talked about Liverpool; they postponed their game, and then three days later they play against Shrewsbury, and all these fake positives. Yeah. Nobody kicked off when two days after our Arsenal Spurs game got postponed, Leicester postponed another game. Because and they've changed the rule because it's always Arsenal that sort of gets the gets the flack, right? They've changed the rule. But they, you know, the rule is if you don't have fourteen players, one of who's a goalkeeper, fit, then you can't play the game, right? And when it comes to youth players and all of this sort of thing, they need to have played one game before. Minimum. They need to have played one game before. And Arsenal didn't, so they couldn't have played the game. It's as simple as that. But it's like you didn't. Nobody kicked off all the, the nineteen other COVID uh, or the other nineteen other games that got postponed. Uh, and or, or, personally, you know, Liverpool did it to us the week before, so I felt no sort of shame or anything doing about yeah, it. Me too. Me too. I didn't have any. I, I was a little shocked, to say the least, how, how the media reacted. And then even people in general, they act like Arsenal were the team 
the team that uh, have postponed the most games. In fact, Arsenal have postponed one game, only one, right? Yeah, yeah. And the other teams, like you said, it's a, a number of games. The Liverpool one was in particular because I felt if that game had gone ahead, Arsenal were likely to win. I don't know. It just Arsenal had their, the wind in their sails. Liverpool were in the opposite position. They just lost their players for that African Nations competition. So it seemed like it was a great time to play Liverpool, and and then that was denied Arsenal because of because they they cried COVID. But the thing is, as you, as you rightly said, you know the um, turned out to be false positive anyway. So um, so yeah, I, don't, I haven't really got any. I mean, obviously, I have to listen to these comments coming from people that say, say, you know, that Arsenal... Uh, well, the thing is, the paper-thin squad, I couldn't really argue with that because look who's gone out. Like, a lot of people said, why Why did you... Did your club, as if I'm running it, why did your club allow Maitland-Niles to go to Roma? I said, I don't know. Maybe just getting more experience. He weren't starting games. Pablo Mari going to Udinese. No one's going to question that. Kolasinac contract terminated at Marseille. I don't suppose people will question that because most of us feel better off without him, you know, because when he was playing, I always, always sort of had my head in my hands in, in recent, recent times. So, um, and the wage bill, obviously a lot lower now, um, saved yeah, roughly exactly. 15 million by June, according 10 to 15 million, according to some figures. So yeah, it was just, it was just the lack of incoming players and yeah. the fact that the incoming players like, Trusty, that apparently he's going to go out on loan after he arrives. It just, I didn't like that deal. The, I didn't have a problem with the New England Revolution goalkeeper, though. I thought, I only got a massive problem with this Aaron Trusty because if he's good, he's good. I don't care where he comes from. But this idea that I just don't like having a paper thin squad, even though some people say less is more because yeah. well, it can work see, that way. Did you see the thing? Uh, I saw I saw a comparison with us and Man City. Now, the, the, uh, if you look at Man City and the amount of goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders, and attackers, they have got maybe one or two more players than us. Oh. The difference, obviously, is the quality of oh. the players. Uh, there's no there's no argument there. But in terms of yeah, I, I think you only need certainly because remember we were we we're playing one game a week. You only need. I think so. 18, 19 players for one game a week that we've got left. Ideally, you'd want to start the season. And he's getting rid of the Deadwood. He's getting like Chambers. Uh, you know, Kalashin actually will leave. You know, I'm, I'm struggling to keep up with all the players that are leaving. Uh, I think Chambers Chambers has gone, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, I was asked you about that as well. This one, of all the players that left, this one was the one that upset me the most because I understood it was an undisclosed fee. And then when I went to the BBC website, it said it's, it didn't say undisclosed free, but it said Chambers leaves on a free transfer. And I was spitting feathers over that because I thought well, that shouldn't happen. I think, yeah, uh, with, with Chambers, Chambers is never going to play. He's going to play very rarely. Uh, I, I do think it's a bit risky. I think Arteta goes, right, my right back is Suarez. My, well, my backup right back is Suarez. Uh, I don't need any more centre-halves. So I think he's kind of like he saw an opportunity to get rid of him and he took it. Uh, but yeah, like we've still got Torreira, Guendouzi, uh, Kalashnikov yeah. is gone permanently, but Torreira, Guendouzi, uh, Mari, like those three players will hopefully go permanently in the summer. 
but yeah, Arteta's cleaning house, and I think he needs to. Like, he needs to get rid of the dross because he doesn't want them stinking up the training ground. And you know, uh, the thing is, the thing is, the only place he might have stunk out. Not saying he did, but if he did, it would just be the um, the, the sick bay. Because aside, from, I mean, that's the only issue with him for me is just too many too many injuries. But apart from that. Apart from that, I liked him in the team. I thought, and I know, I know now you're saying to me, you know that, you know the the right back, what's his name, so- Suarez. Suarez finally starts playing well again, even though he played quite well at the very, very beginning when Noah was m- much pressure on when he first joined. But and he scored a goal, I remember. So I liked him, and then he put in some pretty dross performances, and it's good to hear that he's starting to play a bit again. But the thing is, I still. Even when I liked him, I still would have taken Chambers over over Suarez. Because yeah, I probably would have. I think I would have. He's more but... solid presence, and he doesn't make mistakes very much. And he's, you know, he's tall. So he, you know, if you if you if you're up against if people are lobbing balls into the box, he's going to help out the centre backs. He's he's pretty good with the ball as well. And so I I feel like I'm I'm really upset. I don't know how well he's been doing at Villa since he left, but. Um, but yeah, I was upset about the lack of a transfer fee because I thought here they here they go Villa do it again. They steal a player off Arsenal for this time. It's disputed. Is it is it nothing or is it something or is it nothing plus something if he plays well? Because I've seen Arsenal get add-ons, so there's some kind of compensation involved with this. But I just yeah, I just didn't feel feel happy about that because I just felt with Steven Gerrard. I don't think he's going to buy a, buy a pup, but you never know. I suppose he's still learning his trade. So yeah, that was my thoughts on it. I, I just I, I thought I've got a, I've got a moan about this Chambers deal. Aside from that, I didn't really I didn't really get uptight even about Maitland Niles leaving because I thought he'd come back a better player from from playing at Roma. He's very likely to return to Arsenal a better player than he left. So I don't know. Right. But it's quite funny though. He's playing at right back for Roma. He's not. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, so well, he's, he's certainly played one or two games at right back. I haven't. I haven't kept up with it, but yeah, certainly I know he's been playing a couple of games at right back, and you just kind of like there's not much more you can do with the player really. Uh, yeah. I think Arteta. He, he played all right. Arteta. You know, it's. I, Roy Keane always says this. He goes, "Your eyes don't lie to you." And I think, you know, the manager sees these players every day at training and whatever, and he knows you have to put your faith in the manager, don't you, really? Because like, yeah. he, he's got an idea and he, he sees what he wants uh, his players to do and whether they can do it or not. You know, and that's why he got rid of Aubameyang, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I think with James, it was, it was he was never going to play. You know, it was never going to be... Uh, Chambers was never going to be the man sort of thing. Yeah, he wasn't expected to be a, a regular. And I think I did he I'm just trying to check whether he played in the in the in the recent Villa game. I'm not sure if he played in that. You know where they drew three three with Leeds? Yeah, oh yeah, I saw the result, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> no, I don't think he played in that. So no, so he's been there. Oh no, he did play. He did play. He came on as a sub. In the 89th minute, so yeah, yeah <laughs> he earned yeah. his corn in that game. But yeah, that kind of. So I see, I see your point. You know, bearing that in mind, you know, perhaps, perhaps it was was time to let him go. But on a free, I just thought the guy's not that old. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure. I think, 
Arsenal just basically cutting their losses and go, right, we just want to get rid of, thin the wage bill mm. and then start again almost. But you see, this is the thing. When we say thin the wage bill, that, that sounds quite positive. But when you say asset stripping, doesn't sound positive, positive yeah. at all. But you'd say that there weren't really any assets that left, I suppose, is your argument. Well, yeah, I, it's not, like I said, is it ideal? No. Is, is it you know, a practice that we can do indefinitely? Definitely not. Uh, but I think it's just one of those that, you know, uh, Arsenal at that point, right, right, we're starting again. And we're, we're, it's part of the rebuild. And I think the Cronkies have realised that they've made a lot of mistakes over the last few years. Or Arsenal, as a club, have made mistakes over the years with their transfers. And they're trying to right that wrong, which is why they're cancelling these contacts. And they're, you know, they're learning you know, from their mistakes, hopefully. Yeah. Do you think that's why, um, that's why Arteta got invited over to America? You know, before those deals went through. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. obviously yeah. we're in the dark as to why that meeting happened. It may not be anything significant, but perhaps it wasn't. I don't know. I want to know what you thought. Uh, well, I'm surprised. I, I have to admit, uh, when he went over, I thought it was to be about like financing a deal or mm. this. Uh, but maybe it was just uh, to touch base. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I certainly felt when I saw that, I was like, oh, they're going to sort out a deal, finalise a deal in January. But I mean, I mean yeah. that doesn't be the case. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. after the event, I've got ideas. I, I started thinking, well, maybe they told him. Maybe they told him, listen, you're not getting anybody. You're not getting anybody in for financial reasons. It's just, it's just you know, shot in the dark. I don't know. Yeah. And, yeah, and- well, certainly everyone knows that you never get great. You don't often get bargains in January, do you? You often no. don't get great deals. So I think it's, it's the summer. The seller's, seller's market in January, really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think that's why Arsenal were happy to get rid of these players because they, they just wanted to get rid of them. They just want them off the books. Uh, trim the fat and you look at our wage bill now it's less than Spurs's wow, you know, uh, wow. and you know so we're, we're slowly getting there uh, yeah, and of course so we have to you know, know thyself in it it's a case of well, yeah, we're a club that has a billionaire owner we don't have the revenue stream that United has so we have to be a bit clever and we have to stop, stop wasting as much money as we do you know and I saw something it just popped. Uh, it's a picture, a screenshot I took uh, a few weeks ago. I'll just try and get it for you. Uh, here we go. In the from all the players that have left Arsenal during the last eighteen months, the club is now saving over one point five million a week in wages. So I'll go through the players that have left in the last eighteen months. Obviously under our Arteta, Ozil three hundred fifty k, Abamyang three hundred fifty k, William two hundred, Kalasnach one hundred eighty. Luis, 150. Torreira, 80. Bellerin, 80. And the list goes on. £1.6 million a week we've saved in the last 18 months. And, you know, uh, there were there some shocking contracts and transfers there, aren't there? When you look at those names. Yeah, it's how much, shocking. Uh, how Especially much the 350 grand for, um, for Ozil was the one that sticks in the crawl the most but, yeah, but at the yeah. time that's the funny thing at the time i was all for it i was saying yeah yeah sign him up sign him up i don't well, care how much it is 
and uh, yeah. and then just very very shortly afterwards, within a few weeks, I thought, oh no, why didn't we let him go? It was just such a major mistake. With Ober, well, yeah. it wasn't quite so soon. I after he signed the deal, we didn't go straight off the boil. It took a while, and it might have just been age in Ober's case. So uh, so I don't I don't have that same sort of negative feeling like I do about Ozil. Yeah, who's gone very quiet of late, I, I have to say. But but yeah, anyway. So, so yeah, you. So overall, then looking at the um, at the transfer business with the wage bill being cut back so significantly. I mean, in this transfer window alone, it's gone down, according to a website I visited, six hundred forty thousand pounds a week. Arsenal yeah. are paying out, you know, that that amount less than they were. So, That's so bad. in that in that sense, you know, over half a million. Um, saving over half a million per week. I mean, in that sense, would you say then it's um, it's been a successful transfer window then? In that sense, yeah, I would. Look, you know, if we had signed a striker, I would have been happier, of course. But it's that I think what Arsenal don't want to do is sign someone for the sake of it uh, and get fucked over on the, on the price and regret it. So I think what they've done and they said this, they were like, look, We'll wait till the summer where we can get the players that we want for prices that we want uh, and you know, and carry on the, the transformation sort of thing. And I think, like I said, they're under no illusions about who they need to sign or what sort of player they need to sign. Uh, and I, th- I think it's a case of just not wasting money, trying to be a mm. bit more sort of uh, you know, wise and efficient with your transfers uh, and not buy you know, stinkers. And I think there's only real stinkers out there in January. And like I said, you know, we've only got 17 games left. If we had Europe and we were in the, both the cups, then you'd go, oh, okay, well maybe, you know, we'll get, a, a, uh, you know, maybe five more games, ten, even 10 more games. You know, if we do well in Europe, especially if we're in the Europa League, you know, that's possibly another eight games. Uh, and then the cup. So, but we're not. So, for me, it's like I think it's a calculated risk. The problem is, of course, every time Arsenal play, you know, don't score or Lacazette has a stinker and misses a chance, this will come up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. I think Arsenal made the decision to go right. We're we're not going to waste money. We're going to see the season through and then reassess and then carry on the rebuild. And that's what Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal in the rebuilding stage, and they have been. They, they want Arsenal have needed to be rebuilt for years. You know, the last few years of Wenger, Emery, you know, they all, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal, you know, it isn't the last two years that Arsenal have been in decline. Arsenal have been in decline for a fair few years. The difference was 10 years ago, there wasn't that many other clubs that were, you know, as good, you know, mm. that were top, top level. You know, that year, if you remember that year when United won the league, it was Ferguson's last uh, season. And he signed Van Persie and the way. They were fucking dog. But the, the, the quality of the league wasn't what it is now. You know, because you saw that the year next year, the year after when Moyes took over, the same squad of players, they got seventh. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, it was, it was the great, it was good, good, he was a great manager, but. You know, I think the, the quality of the league now is better. I think it's, it's stronger. I think it's always mm. getting 
harder and harder and harder. So I think you know Arsenal can't just buy, you know, can't just buy a, a few quick players and change their sort of their fortunes. And you look at United and Spurs, you know, two shining examples there. Though so, uh, Conte for Spurs has come in and he's already realised, fucking hell, like this this is, is a massive rebuild ahead of us. And they didn't give him any. Like, I know they signed one or two players, didn't they? For that whole squad, yeah, yeah, it's they, not been they, an overhaul, though, is it? No, uh, and United as well. You know, mm. signing Ronaldo was probably the worst thing United could have done because it it limits the development and the chances of other young players. And you know, that, that's a club they, they've got no identity, they've got no sort of style. Uh, and then, well, if they have, they're not playing with it. Like they they want to press, but sometimes they don't. And you know, so. In I disarray, think, they really are. Yeah, I, yeah, I, they I was are. thinking, if Fernandez, everyone raves about Fernandez, but most of the time I see him, he's he's awful. I mm. I didn't see the whole game, but what I saw, he, he, every time he got the ball, he just got dispossessed. And then yeah. you mentioned that he swung a punch, which I didn't see that part. But I, yeah. I'm in a way, I'm not surprised because yeah. it's just it's like. Um, it's just about it's a, it's about to blow. Seems like Man U, you know, there's so many personalities. It's just yeah. a team of individuals. That's what I noted. Yeah. Even when they're yeah, playing well, it's a team of individuals. It's not a team. Yeah, whereas exactly. Arsenal actually looks like a team. So I yeah. would definitely want to trade places with United. No, chance. yeah, no, for sure. And Spurs as well. Like I said, yeah. Spurs, I think, are our biggest competition to fourth. Uh, I think because. We've got, you know, we've got two games in hand over West Ham and United, and we're a point behind them. Yeah. You know, th- those games in hand are, you know, I think, Liverpool at home and Chelsea away. Uh, so they're not easy games, but you know, it's certainly uh, it, it's ours to lose. I think top four, and I think you know, even if we don't get top four, I think it's been a very encouraging season, and I think with a few more signings, we can be competing for it next year and, you know, hopefully try and close the gap between City and Liverpool. Maybe next year, maybe that's a bit too early, but, you know, we've got, our squad is the youngest uh, and they're, they're playing well. So we'll see how, how we go, really. Obviously, we've got eight more days until Brentford. Yeah, which will be tough. Um, they drew, didn't they, against Palace. But just going back to the transfer winner one more time, because <laughs> I... I just it was just something that that came into my mind a few minutes ago these these players so we bought we bought players from America uh two players from America no one from the continent do you think that's going to be the way of the future do you think with brexit and all the problems involved now with signing the player it's not as easy as it once was to uh, sign a player from Europe do you think there'll be more more buys from say America and Canada and those sort of countries well, I, I think uh, I think the levels or the difference in levels between America and Europe, etc., is smaller. I think the the quality of footballers that are being produced in America, uh, and I think the level of coaching, etc., at a young age, I think is maybe not as good as UK and Europe, but it's not that far behind. And they're producing mm. some players. You look at Pulisic. Pulisic is a fantastic. Uh, and you know he's at that level. He's at that level. You know he's winning trophies at Chelsea. He's you know he's part of a team that just won that silly World Club Cup. Uh, so I think you know they're producing great players, and I think the level of coaching I think is 
is not far behind. Because if you think about it, they've had investment and they've had coaching from, you know, old pros. You know, it's always that thing, wasn't it? You go to the major league, uh, MLS after your career. And some of the players have stayed. You know, Beckham's still there. You know, with FC Inter or whatever his team is called. So I think, yeah, I, I do. I think that the difference in in ability is is certainly so different in coaching is is a lot less than it was say 20, 30 years. They're, they're nowhere near as rank amateur as they used to be, and they're producing some good players. So it'd be interesting to see how these players get on. But you know, yeah, I, I think possibly. I don't think Brexit. If I'm honest, has a massive influence on it. Uh, I think in terms of visas and passports, like I think what it does do is it limits our ability to get young. Yeah, if you remember, Wenger used to steal fifteen-year-olds and sixteen-year-olds from abroad. I think yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think I just saw. I just saw it was only a subtle thing. It's not something I read. I just I just looked at when I wrote down all the players that have come in because I thought you know for once I might even prepare for the show. That's that's the first, perhaps the last time, but I did it today, and um, and I looked at and I went, wait a second, why did I not realise this before? I mean, it's so obvious, but you know, American American signings, but okay, they're not coming in straight away, and it could be, it was just, it probably isn't, but it's it just it just crossed my mind, and and because I I did I, I don't obviously it wasn't an Arsenal transfer, but there was a transfer I think, but I can't remember who it was, where they were saying that. Now, or the, I think I was just talking in general, actually. It wasn't a particular transfer, but on one of the websites during the transfer window, it said it's going to be increasingly difficult to bring players in from Europe because there's another another hurdle to cross, the, you know, the getting of a work permit, meaning that you've got to play a certain number of international games, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or get special permission, you know. And so it's now... Arguably, just as easy to bring in a player from Japan than it than it is to just as easy as it would be to bring somebody in from from France, who's who's uh, who's an unless it's like an experienced pro who's got loads of international caps. So it was just a thought, and then I, I wondered, you know, what with what with the way the world's going, you know, there's been talk in the past that you know the, the alliance between England, not that it's an official alliance um, from a sort of work perspective. But you know that that movement is going to happen more between England, uh, sorry, Britain and Britain and America and Australia and you know, ex Commonwealth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm particularly knowledgeable on yeah. uh, on all of this, but yeah, perhaps go. Yeah, and then just before you go, what I was going to ask you? What about Lacroix's, um skipper? Till the end of the season, are you okay with that? I mean, I, I guess I, there aren't many alternatives, are there? Well, or are I, there? I, I, we yeah, talked about that before, didn't we? Yeah, I'd argue there's a couple. I'd say Tierney, I'd say White, uh, Gabriel. Uh, so any you think of those. it's the right thing to have like a stopgap solution because that's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's my problem because it's a stopgap. We yeah. all know, that, and this is this is not a slight on lacquer at all. No, we all know at the end of the year. Uh, might as well blood in a new captain now. That's my reason for not picking Lacquer. In terms of his professionalism, in terms of how he's changed his game, in terms of what he brings on the football picks, like his intensity and his uh, all sorts of things like that, he's fantastic. And is he a good choice for a captain? Uh, if you ignore the fact that he's leaving? Yes. Hands down. 
Uh, I think how he how he looks after the younger players, and I think the role model that he is. Absolutely, no arguments there. I just think it could have been a good opportunity to get your Ben White or your Tierney in now, uh, because they're going to be there next year. But I, you think I, it's definitely that Lack is leaving? I'm not sure he's going to leave. Well, I, I think I think if he does stay, he won't be first choice. He won't be mm. first choice. I think Arsenal. He does not. He tries his best, and I think he does all right. But I think Arsenal are like, right, you know, they're looking at Isak or Calvert-Lewin or Ollie Watkins or whoever they decide to sign. They're looking at them because they know Lack is not the player they need for the system that they want to play. And yeah, I think it's not likely he's going to leave. Because they'll probably offer him a one-year deal and he, he's not going to yeah. accept that, is he? Yeah, I think, well, yeah. And, and, he, and he's got every right to refuse. He's got every right to say, no, I want to have... Because you know, he's, what, 29, 30? He's got one last big payoff. And I don't think Arsenal are willing to give him that last one big payoff. Uh, so, and I'm certainly not for the length of time that he wants. So I think, yeah, I think he might he might leave. Uh, I think would he you, will. Leave. Would you give him a two-year deal? No. I'll give him no. a year. I'll yeah, I'll give him a year, definitely. I'll give him a two-year deal and I'll say to him, fine, we'll give you a two-year deal, but you're not, you're not my starting striker. You know, you're not my first striker. And I suppose a lot would just depend on the salary. If he's not going to get an increase in salary, which he probably would want, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is actually. Now I've come to think of it, when you stay at a club and you you end your contract and they re-sign you, do you have to pay them a signing on fee? My guess is yes, you do. do I don't you know. Uh, I don't know. I've never, I've never heard anybody discuss that before. No, I think because he will renew it. So basically, yeah. he lets his contract run down. Or he re-signs before his contract runs out. So if he re-signs, they won't have to pay a new fee. If he lets his contract run down, Arsenal go, right, well, not our problem anymore. Uh, so I think it'll be a case of, you know, and they're not going to wait until the last day of his contract to find out what he wants to do. If they, if they haven't offered him a new deal, and they might offer him a new deal. Uh, uh, but, yeah, if it, was up, if it was up to me, I'd offer him a one-year deal. Well, maybe a two-year deal, but on the provision, I say to him, look, you're not starting anymore. You are a squad player. You can come on as a sub. Uh, you'll be a, a, a second option, like Smith Rowe is. Uh, mm. But you're not the man anymore. And I think I'd make that clear to him. But I don't know. Again, Arteta knows, you know, and Arteta sees him every day, how, how long does Laka have? You know, if he, if he stays for much more, is he going to deteriorate, like... Uber did, you know, like his stats aren't great this year. So I think uh, I would off- maybe offer him a one-year deal, but yeah, even that's debatable. Yeah, and then oh, just one more for the road about the striker situation, because obviously Martinelli's played a striker before, mm-hmm. and uh, the other option I read is Pepe, because not not that we've seen him really as a striker yeah. as such. What yeah, what do right. you think of those two options? Are they I think Martinelli is more of a, what Arsenal want certainly as a, as, a, as a striker is someone that can run in behind and come deep and link up the, the wingers to you, your Martinelli's or your Sackers or whoever and you know, have, a, have a good working relationship with the 10 as well uh, I don't feel that Pepe can do any of that 
Like Pepe can probably run in behind, yeah. Yeah, he can. Uh, really. But I don't feel he can hold up the ball. I don't feel he's strong enough. I don't think he's got the wherewithal to link up play how Arteta wants his striker to link up play. So I don't, for the life of me, I don't see why that's an option. Martinelli, uh, I think obviously Martinelli's got in his favour that he's young. He's got the, he's got the physical aspects. I think he's he's a big lad and he he's not small. Uh, he's, he's bigger than Lacazette. Could he do it? Perhaps. Uh, I kind of feel that his finishing, you know, he he works better as a winger or like an inside nice. forward, not a nine. Uh, but it's an option. I, if it was me though, I wouldn't get rid of. Yeah, you know, at the minute, Martinelli out on the left works, so I wouldn't change it. Unless Lacquer gets injured, and you've got Enketia, and yeah, you know, one thing that does need to be said as well: both Lacquer and Enketia, if they are leaving, then this next six months they're putting themselves in the shop window, or next four months, whatever, they're putting themselves in the shop window. Normally, that produces good performances. Look at Joe Willock. Yeah, you know, look at Joe Willock last year. You know, he's great for Newcastle last year. He's fucking dreadful for Newcastle this year. Uh, he's putting himself in the shop window. Uber. Before you know, before that big contract, amazing. After the new contract, shit. And there's there's been psychological studies that have shown this is the case. They've done seen it in basketball as well, uh, in America. So, for me, I would I wouldn't move Martinelli. I'd keep him out on the left because I think that's where he operates best at the minute. Uh, and I think it, you know, don't get me wrong. If you put Smith Rowe on the left, it's a different a t- different threat. Uh, but I would I would stick with Laka first, and even in Ketia, these are, you know, it's like you know we're we're teachers, aren't we? You're an English teacher, I'm teaching physics. You know, with a bit of work, you could probably teach my subject, and I could probably teach yours. But I wouldn't be as good as you or me at our, because that's our natural sort of thing. I think Martinelli for me looks more natural out as a as a inside forward. Uh, but obviously Arteta, yeah. I, uh, Pepe, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, well, Martin, frankly, I see I see Pepe Pepe working quite well, but it depends on how the team play. If they knock balls over the top for him to run onto, which I don't think they will. No, that's the well, only way it's going to work. But Martinelli is a different sort of proposition. But you know when he's played striker, um, I can't remember which game it was, but it was this season. He wasn't very impressive. He didn't get in the game at all. Um, and so Lack has been the best option there. So it's, it's hard to see beyond him. And Niketi is probably the second best option. Yeah. But I'd probably try Pepe but could, because, you know, sometimes he sort of wanders centrally and then um, he's, he's been relatively effective. But I don't know if he could see out a whole game in that position. Having not no. seen him on the training ground, I don't know. But, but I just always feel it's always handy having a guy with that much pace. In a, but then Martinelli's got loads of pace as well. So... Yeah. Both of them can be a threat. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit undecided actually, but I just don't see that Arsenal are going to play the way that that suits that sort of player because I haven't seen any evidence of it. You know, they don't. The I mean, when when you when Oba was like at his top form, for example, he was still playing best playing on the left, yeah. which seemed very strange to me. You know that there's a guy your most prolific goal scorer is played out on the left. It's just really odd, but. For some reason, it suited suited the way Arsenal played. So yeah, it's certainly well, going to be Arsenal, interesting. Arsenal suited themselves around him, 
So a lot of our attacks came down the left. Yeah, it's so true. So anyway, what about Brentford before you go then? You're feeling you probably don't want to talk about Brentford <laughs> after last time. We owe them a little bit from uh, obviously the beginning of the season. And mm. I think, yeah, we can win. Like, it's got to be three points. I what, think about, what about the friendly game? You remember the friendly game? Arsenal spanked Brentford about 4-0. Yeah, I think I think Cedric might have scored in that game, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think I don't rate them that highly. They're yeah, you know, they're in the bottom half, and they bottom five possibly. Yeah. Uh, I think you know at home they're a difficult proposition. I think you know, even right. City, certainly City, you know they they had to work hard to get a result. But I think away from home we've got to have too much for them. And I think as well their striking options that like Ivan Tony. And the other lads, because they play 4 4 didn't they? Ivan uh, Tony bullied our Arsenal players. He won't bully them this time. He's not going to bully Gabriel. Uh, ben, yeah, ben White and Gabriel are much more settled. Gabriel didn't even play in them, uh, I don't think. So, you know, I, I, I think... They might, be, they might be running out of steam a little bit. Uh, that's what I think, Brentford. Not I've seen a lot of them. I mean, yeah, they can still turn on the odd good performance. But they're not, they're not the same proposition they were at the very start of the season because they had so much energy, Brentford. I, I mean, I could totally yeah. see why Arsenal lost to them, even though I didn't think they were going to turn over as many teams as what, as what they have. Still, I just thought they were, they were a difficult team to play against and they probably will be again. So I think we've got a sort of temporary enthusiasm with a bit of caution. But at the same time, I, I do obviously it's, it's hope definitely. Arsenal win and yeah. expect them to but it's yeah. going to be very tough very tough yeah but they're, they're fighting for their lives I think expectations are that we should beat them. and I think Wolves at home we should expect to beat them. Uh, yes and, yeah, and then take it from there really uh, but yeah should we should we should beat them but that doesn't mean we will of course you know we threw against Burnham you know lots of teams have so yeah there's no guarantee uh well, yeah, we should be looking to get six points. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, and then you know, and then see what comes. Yeah, I think now that Europe's starting up again, I know Spurs aren't in Europe, but you know, United are in Europe, uh, and you know, Chelsea are in Europe. You know, there's a very thin chance that we could catch Chelsea. Uh, I don't see it happening. <laughs> I don't see that one either. No, I'm quite optimistic normally. I'd see well, fourth. Fourth, fourth is fourth well, won't surprise me. If Arsenal finish fourth, I won't be at all surprised. But well, if Arsenal finish third, that would be can't can't imagine. Uh, that doesn't mean it can't happen, but I just can't imagine it because I still feel Chelsea. There's more. There's they've got more in their squad than Arsenal have, particularly now. I suppose. I think, but they'll be spread out. Yeah, we're we're two games in hand and we're eight points. We win our two games in hand, which one of them is against Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, with two points behind them. Uh, yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I, I agree. It's unlikely. Uh, but you, you never know, do you? And I think Arsenal, like I said, Arsenal shouldn't be tired, shouldn't be faltering, but the club will be now because it's the end of the, near the end of the season and whatever else. So, but yeah, let's, let's see how we get on. Certainly. I want to see I want to see a confident Arsenal attack Brentford and carry on the, the form, carry on the momentum. Okay, right. I guess that's it. Anything more to say before we go, or is 
we're just about finished all right okay well thanks for joining us if you've joined us and if you haven't well you missed out a treat you'll have to take my word for it until the next time adios amigos